your Bibles this morning and open them up to the book of 2 Samuel. Our sermon text this morning is 2 Samuel chapter 22, and we're going to read the whole of chapter 22 together. So last year we began a sermon series on 1 and 2 Samuel. We've been working our way through it, and now we are at the conclusion, the very end. And the conclusion is like a sandwich. And so we are now at the center very center of the sandwich, and at the center of the sandwich, the very center of the conclusion, there are two songs by David. One song looks backwards, and one song looks forwards, and this morning we're going to pick up the song that looks backwards, assessing David's life and what God has done for him. So hear the word of God, Second Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down, thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy, thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you deal purely. And with the crooked you make yourself seem tortuous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? 
And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them and I thrust them through so they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from the strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Father, here we are and we are your people Your word is opened up before us and we have read it and we desire that you would do a spiritual work now among us. Would you do a great spiritual work and would you cause our hearts to trust in you? David lived upon you and we want to live upon you. David trusted in your promise and we want to trust in your promise. David was found in covenant with you and we want to be found in covenant with you. And so would you do that this morning and work towards those ends. We pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. So David, he lived in exciting life. As you think about it, it was a life filled with close calls and near misses. As a shepherd, David faced off with lions and bears. On the battlefield, he met giants and armies. In the court of Saul, he had to dodge spears and navigate conspiracies. When he was on the run and in exile, he had to hide in caves and dart among rocks. He had a sojourn among the Philistines, and he had to survive by wit and deception. He was betrayed and upturned by those closest to him, by his own son, Absalom. And despite all of those near misses and close calls, David was what? He was lifted up from the pasture to a place of power. He was moved from living in a cave to sitting on the throne of Israel. He was rescued out of all of his adversities again and again and again. And truly, we can say, as we consider David's life, he lived a remarkable life. And we have been following David's life throughout the book of 1 and 2 Samuel. In fact, we can really say the whole book of 1 and 2 Samuel, this long story, has been about David. Even before David appears in this book, some 15 chapters, the book is stirring us up for David. All of the characters, all of the stories are are stirring us up. We're saying in our minds... I'm ready. I want the king of God's own 
choice. And then when David finally shows up, the story never takes its eye off of David. We see David in his suffering. We see David in his victory. We see David in his sin. We see David in his weakness. We see David in his repentance and recovery. In sum, throughout the story, we see a lot of David. As we think about this story and all that we have seen of David, this story has done a lot with our emotions, hasn't it? Because of David, we've experienced joy. We can go back to the, to the battle between David and Goliath, and there is David. He's lifting up the head of the giant. And what do we want to do? We want to cheer with the crowds. There's David, the great victor. The song of David is sung. Saul has struck down his thousands, but David is ten thousands, and we're tempted to join in and sing with the crowds. We've experienced awe and admiration at David. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, we get this, this list of what David did. He struck out to the north and to the south and to the east and the west, and he, he moved the borders of Israel out as this great conquering king. And we took pride in him. What a great king. And we've also experienced sorrow because of David. David was pressed and persecuted, and so we pitied him. And he fell into sin and he frustrated us and he's caused us grief. Some of us have become angry with David. So here's the question. Now that we're standing at the end of 1 and 2 Samuel, looking back on the whole story of David, what are we to make of David? What are we to make of this Man, And that's a rather difficult question to sort through. Are we supposed to, to write him off and move on from David? Are we supposed to gloss over his sins and pretend they never happened? Are we supposed to engage in some sort of hero worship? Or are we just to cancel David because he's a villain and irredeemable? What are we supposed to do with David? With that question before you, we need to turn our attention to the text we read. Look at verse 1 with me. Verse 1 says this. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So I set this question before you. What are we supposed to make of David? Well, we come to verse 1, and verse 1 jolts us awake. Here we are trying to figure out what we're supposed to do with David, and who is it that comes along and intrudes our thoughts? Well, it's David himself. We can't escape David. At the end of the book, it is David who gets the last word. At the very center of the conclusion, the most important part of this conclusion, it is David who gets all of the airtime and only David. Now, it's obvious that the book was designed to end like this. The author of Samuel, by placing David's words here, is saying something like this to us. Dear reader, if you want to make sense of David's life, what you need to do is you need to sit down and listen to David. You need to listen to David's song. And when you listen to David's song, you must refract all of David's life, his suffering, his accomplishments, his sin, his repentance, through these words. And when you do that, you will understand David. And you will make sense of him. And so we can think of this song then as the authorized interpretation of the David story. So it's our job this morning to sit down and listen to David's song and hear what he has to say about his life. So as we look at David's song, it's a long song. And we can think of David's song as a journey, a journey through a valley. So if you know a journey through a valley, there's going to be a descent, there's going to be the bottom of the valley, and there's going to be an ascent. 
And so the song begins with a descent, and it's a, a steep one, a free fall. We go down with David much faster than we would like to, and there we land at the bottom of the valley with force, and it's there at the bottom of the valley we, we stay for a few moments. And in those moments, we have time for reflection, and, and the song stops us there so that we might think and consider But before too long, David grabs us by the hand and he rips us up and he brings us with him out of the valley, up and out. So David's song has this movement. There's a movement down and then after a brief pause, there's a movement up. And if we have our theological antennas tuned in this morning as we read this song, we see the most important movement of the Bible in this song. It's a movement from death to life. So this is how we're going to work through the song. So let's go down with David to start. Well, we can say this about David's trip down. David did not want to go down to the bottom of the valley. This this trip was not a self-chosen trip. In verse 4, he mentions his enemies. In verse 18, he talks about a foe mighty and strong, stronger than he is. And then in verse 3, we learn what these enemies are doing to him. Violence. All of these enemies are pushing David down into the bottom of the valley. These enemies are no mystery to us. There was Saul. He's mentioned in verse 1 to us. But there's also others. And we can piece them together through our memory of 1 and 2 Samuel. There's the, the Ziphites. You remember those people? They were spying on David and they were bringing that information to Saul so that Saul might get David. Then there were the remnants of Saul's house who opposed David. There were men like Ishbosheth and, and Shimei. There were the Amalekites who raided Ziklag when David was away and captured his, his family and his children. And then there was Absalom. There's no shortage of enemies in David's life. But as we read on in this psalm, we realize that there was something even worse going on in David's life than just these enemies. In, through, and below, in the midst of all of these enemies, another enemy was at work, death. Listen to what David says in verse 5 and verse 6. He says this, The waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. Yes, Saul is against him. Yes, the Ziphites are against him and Absalom and others. But in, through, between, among all of this, there is another enemy lurking and working, and it is death. And this enemy death was not just upon David, but it seems that it had conquered David. Its waves, David tells us, broke over its head. The mighty raging waters rushing carried him away. Its cords bound him tight. Its snares trapped him. So David had no brush with death. According to David in verse 5 and verse 6, he was in the very grip of death. And so this brings us to the bottom of the valley. And it's not the valley you want to hang out in. It's not a restful place. It's like the valley of the shadow of death, except there's no shadow, it's just death. So what did David do? Look at verse 7. David says this, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. And what happened? Well, we keep reading in verse 7, and we hear this. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cries came to his ears. 
And what does that mean when God hears David? It means salvation for David. Verse 17, verse 18 say this, He sent from on high, he, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. So as we look at verse 7 and verse 17 and verse 18, we can simply say, David called upon God from the bottom of the valley, and God saved David. David called God saved, but not so fast. Before we can get out of this valley, David stops us, and he stops us so that we might see God and understand how his salvation works. So the first thing that happens here, David wants us to see God from the bottom of the valley. If you have your Bibles open, look at verses 8 through 16. As you just scan over those verses, images flash before our eyes. David speaks of earthquakes and storms and angels and smoke and fire. And what he does is he gathers up all of these images and he applies them to the Lord. And this is dizzying and it's a bit strange for us, but David is making a point here. We can ask, well, why did David escape Saul so many times? Why did David escape from Absalom? Why did he escape the treachery of the the Ziphites? Well, David is telling us it wasn't luck. It wasn't good timing. It didn't have anything to do with his skill. David does what? He points his finger at God again and again and again. Why was I saved? Because of God. It is as if David comes to us in these verses 8 through 16 and he says this to us. Do you see him? Do you see the God who saved me? He split open the skies. He shook the world like a great warrior. He rode upon angels. Such was his fury that that fire came from his mouth and smoke came up out of his nostrils. And such was his power that when he spoke, everything shook. The foundations of the the heavens shook and the the earth, the innermost parts of it were, were laid bare. Do you see my God? That is the God who saved me time and time again. This is the God of Israel, a God who saves his people. He is your God, a God who saves you. So here at the bottom of the valley, David wants to stop us so that we might see God as he comes to save his people, and what a sight that is. Second, David wants us to understand how this salvation works. David's experience of God in verses 8 through 16 are not universal. In fact, David says this in verse 42, They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. God doesn't split the skies open for everyone. He doesn't speak and lay bare the innermost parts of the world for everyone. So we ask, well, why did God save David? Look at verse 20. David gives the answer. He says, he rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. And then David explains what that means. That raises questions in our our minds. Look at verses 21 through 24. He explains what this means. He says, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me. From his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. God saved me. Why? Because he delighted in me. Why did he delight in me? I was righteous and blameless. We start to scratch our heads here, don't we? What is David 
saying? Is David bringing up some sort of works righteousness scenario like he's piled up these good deeds and and now God's in his debt and God has to work for him? Or is David saying that he has lived some moral life? Has David become delusional and forgetful here at the end of the book of 2 Samuel? Doesn't he remember what he did? He, He killed Uriah. He slept with Bathsheba. What is David talking about in these verses? Well, I don't think David is overthrowing the gospel of grace and smuggling in works. Nor do I think he is delusional or claiming that he's lived a a perfect life. Rather, I think he's saying this. He's saying, I am a man of the covenant and I have lived the entirety of my life in the covenant of God. And so we ask, well, what in the world does that mean? Or better yet, what would that look like for David to live a life in the covenant? Well, it means that David trusted in God. It means that he banked upon God's promises and relied upon God's character. It means that he made use of the mercy found in the covenant. When David sinned, what did he do? He took his sin to the Lord. And because he took his sin to the Lord, banking upon the Lord's mercy and grace, David was cleansed. And forgiven. It means that David made use of the gifts of the covenant. When David was in need and needed direction, what did he do? He sought the face of the Lord, and the Lord guided him and directed him and gave him what he needed. It means, even more, that David committed his whole heart to the covenant. The word of God was his guide and his constant companion. David bound himself to the Lord, and the Lord bound himself to David. And that's why David was saved. So here we are at the valley, but we can't stay at the bottom of the valley any longer. David has shown us God and his salvation, and he's told us a bit about how this salvation works, but David doesn't let us linger because God's salvation has come, and because God's salvation has come, it has brought him up out of these waters. So what does David do? He grabs us by the arm, and he brings us with him on this upward journey. And as we look at the second half of the song, we find this great change in David's life. Before God's salvation, David is what? He is overcome, he is beaten, he is ensnared, he's defeated. But after God's salvation, after he prays and God meets him, everything about David has changed. We find this about David. David is free because of God's salvation. Verse 37, you gave a wide place for my steps under me. Because of God's salvation, David is strengthened and made strong. Verse 30, for by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Because of God's salvation, David is equipped and ready for battle. Verse 35, verse 36, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Because of God's salvation, David then is victorious in battle over all of his enemies. Verses 38 and 39, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them, I thrust them through, so they did not rise, they fell under my feet. And because of God's salvation, David was set over the nations of the world to reign over them. Verses 44 through 46, you delivered me from strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. 
And so we see in the second half of the song, as David grabs us by the hand and brings us with him, we are on the way up. Everything about David has changed. He is no longer weak, but he's made strong. He's no longer defeated, but he's victorious, and he's reigning over all. And so what are we to make of David? We have this song in front of us. And we've traveled with David in this song. David went down and we went down with David. And there at the bottom of the valley, we stopped with David and we listened to David. We looked at God. We considered his words about salvation. And then when we went up with David, well, here at the end of this song and at the end of the story, I want to set before you five conclusions about David. Now, each of these conclusions are going to say something about David, and we need to learn about David, and we have to deal with David, but they're also going to say something about us and mean something for us. So five conclusions about David from this song. First conclusion is this. David lived upon God. David lived upon God. David's life was of extremes. We see David in victory and defeat. We find him at home and in exile. We find him with success and popularity, also in desolation. It's a mountaintop and the valley, but there's this one commonality throughout David's life. David lived upon the Lord. And David gives his testimony throughout the song. Again and again, David recycles this language. We find it first in verses 2 and 3. He says this, speaking his personal testimony. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. David is just piling up these words about his life in God. When the earth shook, what happened? Well, he went with his feet and stood upon God, his rock. When strong enemies began to attack him, what did David do? He ran to God, his fortress, and called upon God, his savior. When David was engaged in battle, he went to battle behind the shield, who is the Lord. And so what do we make of David in this song and of his life? Well, David lived upon God. And this conclusion, this first conclusion, asks the question of you this morning. Can that be said of you? Do you live upon God? Borrowing David's words, is God your rock? When the earth starts to shake, where do you stand? Is God your fortress? When enemies pursue you, where do you Hide? Where are you taking refuge? When trouble comes your way, is God your deliverer, your savior? When you engage in the battle, is God your shield? David's life asks a question of you Do you live upon God? Second conclusion David lived by the promise of God. David lived by the promise of God. David ends his song with these words, verses 50 and 51. We started our service with these words. David says this, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praise to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. 
These words are remarkable, and we have to use our imaginations as we understand them. Here is David, and what is he doing? He is standing in the midst of nations, peoples. And what does David do when he is gathered among these nations and peoples? He begins to sing, and what is his song? His song is this, God's promise is true. God is faithful to his word. God has been faithful to me. Really, these two words verses make sense of David's whole life. David's entire life was wrapped up and controlled by the promise of God. When we first met David, he was a, a young man, and Samuel came to his hometown of Bethlehem and anointed him as king over Israel. And it was this promise in that anointing that carried David through suffering after suffering after suffering. And then this promise was confirmed and strengthened later in life when David was seated as king over both Judah and all the tribes of Israel. The prophet Nathan came to David in 2 Samuel 7 and said to David, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And it was that word of the promise, despite rebellions and treasonous plots that carried the day, it was this word that David clung to. So as we think of David's life, what were we to make of him? Well, he was a man who lived by the promise of God. He lived by the promise of God. And this conclusion asks the question of you. Do you live by the promise of God? Do you live by the promises of God? And as we think about it, there are so many promises for us. Think about the age to come. There's the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is the promise of resurrection. There is promise of the new heavens and the new earth. There is the promise of destruction of all evil. There is the promise of the personal presence of Jesus, seeing his face, face to face, glory forever. Do you live by those promises? That's what the life of David beckons us to do. Live by the promise of God. And there are so many more promises. There's promises for the present. God promises his presence to his people, his favor, his kindness. And the life of David beckons us. Do you live on those present promises right now, knowing that God is near, full of grace and mercy for you? Do you live by the promise of God? Third conclusion. David was bound to God through covenant. David was bound to God through covenant. We could say it more simply, something like this. David was the Lord's, and the Lord's, the Lord was David's. David was the Lord's, and the Lord was David's. In the covenant, God came to David and laid claim to the totality of David's life. Everything about David belonged to the Lord's. The inside of David, the outside of David, David's public life, David's private life. The Lord came to David and said, you are mine. And get this, and because of the covenant, God graciously allowed David to lay claim upon him. God's mercy, it's David's. God's grace, it's David's. God's salvation, it's David's. God's power, it's David's. God's faithfulness, it's David's. God's righteousness and holiness, it's David's. It's David's. And we have a hard time coping with David and his sin. It's hard. We dealt with that for week after week, chapter after chapter, in that, that middle chunk of 2 Samuel. 
And some of us want to forget David's sin and pretend it never happened and just have a really cheerful storybook, children's Bible. Other of us want to just get rid of David and forget about him, write him off. But the amazing thing is, God doesn't take either of these routes. And God doesn't do that because David was bound to him in covenant. By virtue of the grace of the covenant, even in his sin, even in David's sin, David could lay claim of God and lay claim to the totality of God, his righteousness, his mercy, his grace. And because David could lay claim to, the, to God, he was considered righteous. Even more because David could lay claim to the holiness and to the power of God and the word of God, David was even considered blameless. So what are we to make of David? David was bound to God through covenant. And again, this conclusion asks the question of you. Can that be said of you? Are you bound to God by covenant? That's the most important question we could ever ask ourselves, isn't it? Am I a man bound to God by covenant? Has God come to me and laid claim of my life? Has he said to my soul? Has he said to your soul, you are mine. I lay claim to you. Even more, do you have right and access to lay claim to God, the totality of God? Has God come to your soul and has he said, I am your God? And there is nothing greater than that when God says to the soul, I am your God, because that means all of God is yours. All of God is yours. Conclusion number four David's life was a pattern. So thinking about the song we just worked through, David structured his psalm in a very obvious way. It, it's down, we're at the bottom, and then we go up. And, and David, I think, structured his song this way because he was keen. He was understanding the way God wrote the story of his life. David knew that his story was suffering before glory. It was a, a, a trip of wandering through the wilderness before he could sit upon the throne of Israel. And so what are we to make of David's life well, David's life was a pattern. All the events in David's life set a precedent. Suffering comes before glory. There must be death before there can be a resurrection. And it is David's life, as we have studied it throughout First and Second Samuel, that prepares us for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Jesus intentionally walked the same path that David did. Before Jesus was seated in glory... He had to go through a wilderness of suffering. Before he could enter into the fullness of his kingdom, he had to bear a cross upon his back. Before he could reign as king of kings and lord of lords, he had to die upon a Roman cross, forsaken by all. So why does David's life matter? Because it points us, it points us to Jesus. And as we read David's story, and we do it with eyes of faith. We cannot help but to say, I see Jesus in this story. And we've been saying that throughout this sermon series. We've been reading David's life and we've been saying, I see Jesus here and I see Jesus here and I see Jesus here. And the last conclusion, conclusion number five. David's life was just a shadow. David's life was just a shadow. And so there's a correlation between Jesus and David, both of these characters went down and they stayed at the bottom of the valley and they rose up. 
We've charted that out. But there's also a difference between David and Jesus. David is just a shadow, and Jesus is the substance of all reality. When we move from David to Jesus, everything gets amplified. Everything gets bigger. Just chart this out with me for a second. So both David and Jesus went down. David was pursued by enemies. Saul, Ziphites, Amalekites, Absalom. But as we consider Jesus' descent, it was far darker. Our Lord was met by enemies far worse than David could have ever imagined. He was pursued by Satan and sin and death itself. And as we go to the bottom of the valley, Jesus' bottom was much deeper. There at the bottom, Jesus was swallowed up by death. The curse of sin was laid upon him, and judgment was his drink, and anger was his baptism. But there Jesus did not remain. Like David, he ascended and rose from that pit. But as in everything else, Jesus' rise was greater and more glorious. David was given renewed life. We saw it. He said he could leap over a wall and he could take on enemies. But Jesus was given something better. He was given indestructible life, never to die again. David was seated back on his throne after his troubles. But Jesus was seated upon the throne of his God. And there he reigns. David struck out and expanded the borders of the nation. He went out and subdued enemies, but the Lord Jesus has done something better. He has taken ownership of the entire world. Every square inch belongs to our Jesus. He has laid claim to it through his death and resurrection as the ascended Lord over all. And even better, the best news of all, in this battle, Jesus once and for all defeated his and our enemy. He crushed the head of the serpent. It's all finished. And so what are we to make of David? Well, we say very gladly, his life was just a shadow. And as we move from David to Jesus, everything about David reminds us that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. We, we study David's story. We look at his descent and we say, oh, Jesus is better. We study the bottom of the valley and we say Jesus is better. We study the ascent and we say Jesus is better. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb and he rose three days later and he is now the King of kings and Lord of lords and he reigns over all. And what David's life ultimately does is it beckons us to this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so that's where we end the greatest conclusion of all.